16 years ago, as a brand new pastor here with young kids of my own, I happened upon an idea. And that idea was to read Christmas stories to help us illustrate our sermons during the Christmas season. A few years ago, I think uh, 2015, 2016, I did that again. But this year, we're going to do it with some new Christmas stories. So, boys and girls, if you're there uh, and paying attention, you are welcome to come join me here at the front because I've got a book I'm going to read for us. And adults, you get to pay attention and pay along. So come on, kiddos, if you're coming. Today, our story is called Mortimer's Christmas Manger. So I'm going to sit down right here and I'm just going to wait. And if anybody wants to come join me, come on, you can come on. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. You're going to sit here? Okay, you can sit down there wherever you want to sit. But, you know, the pictures today aren't going to be on the screen, so you might want to sit close enough to see the pictures. Mortimer's Christmas Manger. While we have boys and girls still coming, what do you think about our Christmas set design that's all about stories and books by Miss Nora, I was going to say McCracken Hansen. <laughs> Thank you to Miss Nora Hansen, Mrs. Nora Hansen, I should say, and her elves that helped her. She has elves that help, yeah. So Mortimer's Christmas Manger. Now, you guys, can you tell everybody, say real loud, what is Mortimer? Say it out loud so all the adults can hear in case they can't see the picture. What is Mortimer? That's him on the front. What is he? A rat. A, well, he's not a rat. He's a mouse. He's a mouse. Okay. <laughs> okay. We got rats. He... Uh, well, you're going to find out about that, Ben. Ben had something to say about that. So, we have here a picture of Mortimer inside the wall of the house because there's some pipes and there's a hole and some Legos and stuff. It says, in a big house lived a wee mouse named Mortimer. He dwelled in a dark hole under the stairs. Everybody see Mortimer's house under the stairs? It says, nobody ever noticed little Mortimer, and Mortimer liked it that way, but he didn't like his hole. Too cold, too cramped, too creepy, squeaked Mortimer. Each day, he snuck out and crept around looking for crumbs and nibbles. One day, Mortimer spied something new. Look at that. What is in the house that Mortimer spied? Yeah, Christmas tree. What he spied was wonderful. It was a huge tree covered with twinkling lights. Nestled on top was a bright shining star. But something even better than the tree itself sat on the table right next to the tree. Oh, it's not a cookie. If you were sitting closer, Ben, you would see that it's a nativity scene with a little stable, like some of us have at our house. And it says, Mortimer sighed with delight. He says, it's just my size. But the house was up high and Mortimer was so low. How would he get up to the house? I'll climb up the tree, said Mortimer. It made a perfect ladder for a mouse up, up, and up. Mortimer climbed, down, 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 ornaments climbed. I guess Mortimer wasn't that good of a climber, was he? And so then look, here's a picture of Mortimer looking over the edge of the tree, and there's the nativity set with all the figurines in the little house. It says, finally, he reached the table. Perfect, said Mortimer. Not cold, not cramped, not creepy, cozy. But who are you? Mortimer had never seen people like that, small little people. 
almost as small as himself. He had never seen them. So tap, tap, tap. Mortimer knocked on the side of the house, but no one answered. Do you kids know why no one answered? They're toys. They're toys. That's right. I see, said Mortimer. He said, you aren't real, only statues. And so Mortimer lugged and Mortimer tugged and one by he saw it was what? Can you tell everybody? It's baby Jesus. It does kind of look like a couch. And he lay on a wooden bed that was just Mortimer's size. There was no room for you here, said Mortimer, and he pushed the baby out. Then he crawled into the bed with the soft, warm hay and fell asleep. Hmm. The next day, as Mortimer crept about, he found the good things to eat, cookie crumbs, fruitcake morsels, and spidey pep spicy peppermint candy. But when Mortimer scampered back up the tree the next night to go to his new house, all the figurines were set up again. No, 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 squeaked Mortimer. This won't do. There's no room for you. It's only for me. And so Mortimer lugged and Mortimer tugged until there were all, all the statues were out and stay out, said Mortimer. Then into the bed he crawled. He fell asleep on the soft, warm hay. But each day, while Mortimer scurried about, the statues were set up again. And Mortimer always lugged and always tugged back out. Then one day... Mortimer set out and saw the big people gathered around the tree. He couldn't go out there, so he hid among the statues. A man started talking. Mortimer listened, and what he heard was wonderful. Since it's Christmas Eve, I shall tell the Christmas story, said the man. A long time ago in a little town called Bethlehem, Mortimer had heard about people named Joseph and Mary and the bright shining star, and he heard about shepherds watching the flocks by night and traveling wise men. The man continued, and there was no room for them in the inn. Then Mortimer heard about a baby. <gasps> you guys know who the baby is? Yeah, Jesus. A baby who was born in a stable and had no real bed but slept in a wooden manger. A baby born to save the world, and his name shall be called Jesus, said the man. Mortimer looked at the tree, the bright shining star on top of the tree, and he looked at his new home and his new bed, and he looked at the statues, and last of all, he looked at the baby. I see, sighed Mortimer, you aren't just any statue, you're a statue of Jesus. Mortimer sniffed and Mortimer snuffled and a tear rolled down his furry cheek. There was no room for you in the inn, and, but I know where there is room. And so Mortimer lugged and Mortimer tugged. So he dragged all the statues back into the tiny house. Last of all, he laid baby Jesus in the manger. This belongs to you, Mortimer said. You look warm and cozy now. Well, boys and girls, I'm going to finish the story at the end of my sermon. I won't ask you to come back up, but you can go back and sit down now. So thank you for coming up. I'm going to go sit in my spot too. All right. So we got the first of the part of the story of Mortimer for all of us adults to hear, for the boys and girls to have fun too. But remember the line in the story about Mortimer. 
Then Mortimer heard about a baby, a baby who was born in a stable and had no real bed but slept in a wooden manger, a baby born to save the world. Well, today our text comes from Luke chapter 1, and it's a familiar text for many of us because it's part of our Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 36 is our key text today. And you've got a Bible maybe in the pew back in front of you, or if you have on your tablet or phone, you can go to version On the live, there's, uh, it'll follow the sermon outline for you there as well when you find our church. But... What we've got to do first is read that first scripture. We'll look that up there, and I'm just going to read each section of scripture today as we go. It says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Let's pray before we go further. God, our Father, I know we start with a children's story, but we come now to your story, the story of your action to send your son to save your creation made in your image every person that's ever lived and so father we come before you now and we ask that you'd speak to us through your word the bible by your holy spirit that we would be challenged and transformed and moved to faith We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. We've got four questions on your outline today. And the first question is this. And since I'm a Texan, I put it this way. How do you feel when angel says howdy? If an angel said howdy to you and you knew it was an angel, how would you feel about that? Once upon a time, long ago, when I was a missionary in South Africa, I gave some people a ride home in the middle of the night, and they insisted that I was an angel. I said, I can assure you I'm not an angel, I'm just from Texas. But how would you feel if an angel shows up to you and said, howdy? I mean, look at our scripture here. It says, in the sixth month, God sent Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. That's kind of like the time stamp. That's the place, like the beginning of a header on an email or something like that. And then it tells us the recipient, verse 27, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So it's very specific about who is coming, where they're coming, who he's going to speak to. And then look at the greeting in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. I would be going, whoa, what'd I do? Every time an angel shows up in the Bible, people know it's an angel. There's never a doubt or a question that it's an angel. There's something about their appearance. Are they larger? Are they glowing? Is there a presence? Does your spirit tell you that their spirit is? All these things may be true and even more about an angel. And so the angel gives her this greeting. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, I guess that's better than saying the Lord's against you, right? Because if the Lord's against you, you're in trouble. But the Lord is with you. And I love 
verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. I imagine you and I would be too. An angel shows up to you and whether he says howdy or whether he says greetings or whether he says fear not immediately, whether he says the Lord is with you, you're going to be a little troubled that it's an angel and you're going to be a little worried because it is an angel. And it says there, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You're doing life, an angel appears, you have no doubt it's an angel. Aren't you greatly troubled? Do you freak out and fall on the floor? Do you run away, fight or flight? Are you paralyzed in fear, dumbfounded, unable to speak? Is it kind of like one of those dreams when you feel like you're falling and you can't move fast enough if an angel shows up? Or you just feel like you're imagining it. You know when you're sick and your head doesn't feel right and everything feels kind of foggy and yeah, an angel shows up and all of a sudden it's not right. Well, how you feel, I think, depends on how the angel says what he says. You might be looking around going, wait a second, is this really an angel? Is this candid camera? You might have some questions if you had your wits about you. Hey, if you're an angel, do you fly? Where are your wings? What's it like to live in heaven? What other cool stuff do you get to do? Can you, like, lift that entire house over there? I mean, are you really strong? What's really going on here, Mr. Angel? I mean, you can have a thousand and one questions, but we don't know until that moment, will we, if an angel showed up to us. But an angel shows up, Mary is troubled, and so the angel says the following things. Let's look for our next verses there, verses 30 through 34. We'll put those on the big screen for you, and I'm going to read them from my Bible. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. As I said already, every time an angel shows up in the Bible, one of the very first things they say to whoever they're talking to is fear not. Do not be afraid. We know they must be fearsome since they had to say that to everybody because people were afraid of them. He said you found favor with God. In a sense, all of us have found favor with God. God loves us as, each, as if there's each or only one of us, and He sent His Son Jesus to die for us so that if any of us would trust Jesus as our personal Savior and Lord, we have abundant life here on earth and eternal life in heaven and the Holy Spirit within us and all the gifts that come along with that. Yet, for an angel to say to you, God is with you and you are highly favored. I imagine that would give us pause, wouldn't it? It gave Mary pause. And I don't know how quickly the angel said what he did. Did he leave a pregnant pause for Mary to ponder for a moment? We know Mary ponders because it says that in Scripture elsewhere here. Verse 31, though, says, You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Wow. Now, Mary knows who she is. Mary knows what she's done. Mary knows what it takes to have a baby, and she knows she hasn't done that yet. So the angel says to her, you're going to be with child. And not only are you going to be with child, you're going to carry that child full term. That child is going to be born healthy, and you're going to give that child the name Jesus. Mary knows what the name Jesus says. 
The name Jesus means Yahweh or God, Jehovah, saves. Well, okay. An angel shows up. He greets me. He says, I'm highly favored. He says, God is with me. And now he says, I'm going to have a child. And I know I haven't done anything to have a child. But the very fact that the angel names the baby Jesus is the very first characteristic we find out about Jesus from our text. And there's um, actually six more we're going to learn in the verses to follow. Verse 32, go on there. He says, he will be great. That's the second thing we learn about the child. Not only is his name Jesus, God saves, but he will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. So in other words, he will be called God's Son, the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. That's the fourth thing we learn about this unique born of a virgin child. And then verse 33, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Israel, as a nation, the founder of that nation, the father of that nation was Jacob. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So for the angel to say he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever is before Mary was born. But Mary would knew what he meant. And because some of us have studied the Bible, we know what he means. And he's going to come from this house and line of David. But he's going to reign over this house of Jacob forever. He's going to be an eternal king for the nation of Israel. And then look the final statement there in verse 33. His kingdom will never end. In some ways, that's a repetition of number five, but it takes it differently, slightly different. It's not just in Israel will he reign forever, but his kingdom, wherever his kingdom is, will never end. Verse 34 is the one that gives me pause. The angel showed up, greeted Mary, told her not to freak out, told her six things that this baby is going to be, not the least of which is born from her, a virgin. But look at her question, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Contrary to the rumors that would spread then, contrary to all the myths and fables and imaginary things and conspiracy theories that would go on through the centuries, she knew who she was, and she knew who she wasn't. She knew her behavior, she knew what she had done, and she knew what she had not done. And she asked the angel, how's this going to be since I'm a virgin? Yet I have to wonder, though God by Gabriel told her six amazing things about her son that was going to be born, that she stops at the very first step. She doesn't ask a question about any of the six amazing things that Jesus will be, these characteristics, these titles that identify him as a king for her nation that will reign forever. She doesn't ask, who am I? She doesn't ask, how a king? She doesn't ask forever. She asks, how's this going to be? Since I've never been with a man. I wonder for you and I, when God reveals something to us in His Word, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit says to us, this is a message for you. I'm going to do this in your life, or I'm going to do this in the life of somebody you've been praying for, and it's going to be miraculous, and it's going to be transformative, and you won't even believe it. And we go, time out, God. How are you going to make that happen? 
we get stopped at the very first step. I mean, that's really what Mary has done here, in my opinion. Even though she comes around, as we're going to see, and responds in faith, the angel says, you're going to have a baby named Six Amazing Things about the baby, and she doesn't say anything about the Six Amazing Things. She gets stopped at the first step. Who can blame her? Even though we have lifted Mary up as this amazing, virtuous person, she was a person like you and me. She had questions. She had doubts. She had fears. She had faith. All these things going within her. And I'm not doubting Mary's faith. I'm just observing her thoughts. I'm using Mary's question as an observation for us. Do we get hung up on the very first thing or the thing we think God can't do, even though God tells us, I'm going to do this, and because I do this, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen, and this will happen. And we don't hear the six other things because we're stopped on the first thing. How do we respond, friends, when God speaks? How do you respond when God speaks to you in prayer, when God speaks to you through another Christian, when God speaks to you through His Word, when God speaks to you through a song, and clearly the Holy Spirit says, this is for you, and you go, whoa, or you go, no. What's your posture? How do you receive this? How do you respond? Are you saying that God can't? Are you saying that God can Our acceptance of the fact that God can may be the greatest step of faith we can take. Because as God is sovereign and God has done the things revealed in His Word, and God still works miracles today, changing lives today, the fact that God can do that and us saying, I believe you can do that, God, may be the greatest step of faith. And I think that's what Mary has here. She's got faith, but she's seeking understanding. How can this be, God? You're going to do these amazing things through the Son, but help me understand the first thing, God. Let's go on in our text and read. Oh, I got to get to that question, don't I? Whoops. That question is, what do you ask when the angel says you're having a miracle? I don't reckon that any of us are going to have miraculous babies, so I put the word there, miracle, instead of baby, for those of you that try to fill in your blanks ahead of time. I probably got you today, didn't I? Ha-ha, Carl Brown. (laughs) He probably is over there scratching out baby writing in miracle. Because God says to us at different points in our lives, as believers in Jesus, I'm going to do a miracle in your life. And you go, wow. Or you go, now? Or you go, Whoa! Or you go, no. How do you react? Let's move on in our text now, and we'll put those verses up there, verse 35 to 38. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Okay, this is how it's going to happen, Mary. You wonder how you're going to become pregnant even though you're a virgin? And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Boom. And here's a little proof in verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, and is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. And God is miraculously taking care of that 
as well. So the angel is giving Mary some proof there with the Elizabeth thing. And I love verse 37. In my older version of the NIV, it says, For nothing is impossible with God. This version right here on your screen, the new version, it says, For no word from God will ever fail. Maybe I should have made that our scripture memory verse for the month. For no word from God will ever fail. Maybe you need to tattoo that on the back of your eyelids so that when you are confronted with a situation in life, you remember the words of God written in this book, this book preserved and given to you, the Bible, that you would believe that no word from God's word, the Bible, would ever fail. With God, nothing's impossible. Verse 38, I love. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Faith. It says in this version, may your word to me be fulfilled, complete, done, just like you said. It leads us to our third question. And that's how do you react when the angel says it is possible? When God shows up in your life and he reveals himself to you by his word in prayer from a believer in Jesus and you go, wow, how do you react? Even though you may have questions, even though you may have doubts, even though you may have fear, even though you may have faith-seeking understanding, do you come around like Mary to the conclusion of verse 38? May it be to me as you have said. May your word be fulfilled. Do you finally respond in faith? Let's read. Actually, we don't even have to read those final verses, Seth, because we've already put them on the screen. We just go to our question, our fourth question. Who did the angel say your son would be? This goes back to our list of six things from verse 31 through 33. He gave him the name Jesus. He said he'd be great. He said he'd be the son of the Most High. That's number three. He said he'd have the throne of his father David. That's number four. He said he'd reign over Jacob um, forever. Jacob's family forever. He said his kingdom would never end. And then in verse 35, we didn't count this one previously. He says, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Son of the Most High, Son of God are slightly different. Seven different things the angel says that Jesus will be. I know that question doesn't directly apply to you. But if the angel says who this baby is, and he said it to Mary then, and we have it recorded here in Luke chapter 1, he was saying it so Mary would understand, and Mary told it to Luke, and Luke wrote it down, and it's been preserved through these years. I have to ask this question because, frankly, this fourth question does apply to you. Here's how it applies. 
Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a character in the Bible? Was he a great teacher? Or is he exactly who the Bible says? Lord, Savior, God in flesh, miraculously born of a virgin that we celebrate in the Christmas season. I don't have to go down and sit on the floor anymore because I don't have the children. But I do want to finish our book. Because dear Mortimer has a dilemma now. He put Jesus back in the manger. And he says, so there was no place for Mortimer to go except back to the cold, cramped, creepy hole. As Mortimer scuttled down the tree, he said a prayer. Did you know mouses could pray? At least they can in children's book, right? Jesus, you were born to save the world. Perhaps you could also bring me a home. And then Mortimer looked and spied something new. What he spied was wonderful. Mortimer sighed with delight, a house just my size, and there's no statues in sight. And so, if you look, what you see that Mortimer found was a gingerbread house on another table in the living room. I'm thinking if I'm Mortimer the mouse and I'm interested in eating crumbs, I got a whole house to eat then, don't I, right? Mortimer moved right in. Thank you, Jesus, said Mortimer. You made room for me, too. And that, my friends, is the end of Mortimer's Christmas manger. But that's not the end of the story, is it, for you or for me? Jesus has made room for you. If you trust him as his personal Savior and Lord. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you for children's stories that can make us smile and chuckle. But we thank you so much more for your word, the Bible, that is eternal truth for all people of all nations in all times. And that truth tells us today that everyone here who's in this room, who's online, or will listen to or watch this later, is also invited to trust Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. Because you, God, love us, and you've made room for us in your family and in heaven forever. So, Father, if there's anyone here that needs to trust Jesus as their Savior and Lord, would they make that decision today? If there's any of us here that are believers in Jesus, that we need to confess something to you and step out in faith like Mary did with our faith-seeking understanding, may we do that today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.